Before we get started with this episode of the Do Care podcast, I just wanted to apologize for the poor audio quality that we had. We are still figuring out how to record audio with people in different locations. So my voice sounds decently clear, but Mary and our guests are in a public library, and it sounds like they are in a wet tunnel with children. But the content of our interview with our guest is quite good, which is why we're still uploading and publishing this episode despite the poor audio quality. So thanks for sitting through it, and I really hope you enjoy it. Here is the episode. Welcome to the Do Care Podcast. I am your host, Georgie Corkery. My pronouns are she, they, and right now, today, I care a lot about preventing more natural disasters by curbing climate change and community in general. And I am your other host, Mary, pronouns she, they. I care a lot about grassroots theater. And today, the topic that we're going to be focusing on is Meanwhile Park. It's this new park that I heard of. I was reading the Salt Lake Tribune and I was like, hmm, this is so interesting. And I know Mary, my little theater geek friend and co-host, would be really interested in this. So to help us talk about Meanwhile Park today, we have Jeff Paris. Hi, Jeff. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Jeff, would you mind just telling us your pronouns and a little bit about who you are? My pronouns are he, him. Professionally, I work as a creative director for a software company here in Salt Lake City. I've worked for a very long time in marketing, and I've been a writer, a creative director. I've worked a, a long time in those fields. I'm also a longtime Salt Lake City resident who lives near Liberty Park. Awesome. And tell us what you care about today, and maybe in relationship to Meanwhile Park. Well, if I'm talking about relationship to Meanwhile Park, one of the things that I care about today is the health of theater. If you look around the country, many of our most storied regional theaters are really struggling and having a difficult time maintaining financial stability, those types of things. And so for me, that's something that I'm thinking about a lot and that I care about a lot. Mm, well, we'll definitely dive deeper into that once we get into the topic. But first, as our listeners know, we need to have some of our icebreakers. We have three. We're going to talk about the cast we've seen, the wild life we've seen and share our conscious content consumption for the episode or cats. Mary, tell us what cats you've seen. Recently I've seen my friend's cat, Kevin. We call him Medium Kevin. He's part Bengal, I think he's a tabby, and he is a big cartoon fat cat. He is so squeaky, so scared. He looks like he could be in the Great Mouse Detective. <laughs> and I want to clarify, I, I, I too know Kevin and he's called Medium Kevin because we have a real life human friend named Kevin, who is one of my best friends. So that's Big Kevin, but he's medium Kevin because he's not small, but he's <laughs> medium. Yeah, there's no medium. way he could be little Kevin. There's no, this cat is a really big mashed potato fat cat. Medium Kevin and Big Kevin. <laughs> Love it. Jeff, how about you? Have you seen or interacted with any cats lately? There's been a, re a neighborhood cat that has returned to hanging out in my yard a little bit. He showed up several years ago on Halloween night. It's a black cat, kind of a charcoal gray, dark 
cat. And he's returned. I've seen him several times this past week and a half or so. So that's been kind of fun. I like that he showed up on Halloween. Yeah. That's very spooky. Well, he was actually out trick-or-treating with his family. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And so he came right up to the door and climbed up on the windowsill, and the family left, and he just sat there and watched what was happening inside my house for a while. What so. was happening inside your house? Nothing. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, what? We were sitting in the living room waiting for trick-or-treating. Much so. more interesting. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you have some black cat good luck going on there. <laughs> what about you, Georgie? What cats have you seen? I've seen Sushka, who is my friend Misha's cat. And Sushka, I thought used to mean bear in Russian. M- Misha himself, he is Russian. He is the, the cat's person and is Russian. And I learned that Sushka does not indeed mean bear. And I kept calling her little bear, but it means it's like this little treat, a little Russian treat. So Sushka is a snack. <laughs> She's so cute. <laughs> Just want to eat her up. Mm-hmm. For wildlife, I did see a gopher snake while I was on a running trail and just like a shit ton of grasshoppers because we have this Mormon-like plague coming down on us and I feel like everybody's gardens are being decimated by all these grasshoppers. But Jeff, how about you? What wildlife have you seen? Well, I there are a lot of squirrels in my neighborhood. I live right near Herman Frank's Park and there are a lot of old trees along there. So there are plenty of squirrel homes in those trees and so I, I see a lot of squirrels in my neighborhood. And I have had a lot of hummingbirds the last couple of weeks. They kind of went away for a little while, but now they're back. I I recently saw a hawk outside my house. It was sitting on a telephone wire, and it was eyeing this bush. I could see all the little critters in the bush. I felt like I was about to watch a nature documentary of of a hawk snagging a little rabbit or something. It's pretty cool. But you didn't see it. (laughs) I did not. No, no, no. I did not have the stomach for that. So, no, I did not. That's good. I, for like two seconds, I'm like, that's so cool. And then I'm like, oh, God, nature is so scary. I'm like, wow, I really, really, really want to watch that hawk hunt an animal and then i thought i absolutely do not want to watch a hawk eat an animal yeah you're like you get it girl but i'm gonna go back inside and drink my tea you do i'm a vegetarian (laughs) this is another wildlife i've seen that i forgot about until you mentioned killing things and being a vegetarian i've been doing field work and there's a dog park and there's also ground squirrels and this one guy he's like yeah i'm a vegan and sometimes my dog kills ground squirrels and it like makes me so sad and he walks away and his dog runs back and kills this little ground squirrel and it was so intense. It was three seconds of insanity. And then he runs over and he's like, no! And then he's like, it makes I'm a vegan! And (laughs) he's very kind. And he did take my survey. So shout out to the survey taking man. Transitioning to our last icebreaker, our conscious content consumption and Jeff and potentially new listeners. The reason why we share conscious content consumption is because we are surrounded by media all the time. Whether it's social media, whether it's on the TV, it's the podcasts we listen to, or the movies that we grew up with. They influence who we are and they teach us lessons that in a lot of cases need to be unlearned. So I want to share things that can, you know, have us think about how to connect to community more, how to appreciate our bodies more, how to respect other people despite our differences. So today we're going to have Mary share some conscious content consumption. Today I really want to shout out a art collective called Casa Ivium. It's a multidisciplinary art collective located out of Baja, Mexico. I found out about them because 
because I saw their founder perform at the Great Salt Lake Fringe Festival called Roxy Heart Syndrome, which actually Jeff managed to see that performance as yeah. well. She was just an incredible, incredible, intoxicatingly magnetic performer. We were just discussing a little bit earlier that I think one of the things that's interesting about the show is she is an intoxicating performer. But in addition, I think using that idea of Roxy Heart and the concept of Roxy Heart Syndrome feels really relevant today considering the fact that Roxy Hart was kind of a publicity... Superstar. Yeah, she was um, a magnet for publicity, and she wanted that publicity, and she worked hard to get that publicity. Bled sweat and tears to get the height of fame that she was looking for. That she was looking for. And, of course, that fame is often short-lived. And I think in our social media-driven world today, there are a lot of things that you can take from that about the desire for fame and working so hard to get that fame. Yeah, that fame, that approval. That it was approval. it was devastating. It was yeah. beautiful. It was it was really great. It was a really great performance and this idea of flaming out and Yeah these bright, bright flames that we're attracted to. To clarify for listeners, and this is a question I had to ask earlier, Roxy Hart from the musical Chicago. And for those who haven't seen the movie, she murder somebody, goes to jail, and the way to get out of jail is basically by being popular, but she also has had this fantasy, or I guess not this fantasy, this goal, this hope, this dream of being, what do you call that? That's not a burlesque performer, that's a... Vaudeville? Vaudeville uh, performer, yeah. 20s vaudeville performer, and she eventually does get out of jail. Yeah, she was famous, and then her case was dismissed, and then somebody else got shot, and then she wasn't famous anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, short-lived fame. It was really, really incredible performance. And I think they're touring that internationally right now at different fringe festivals. Casa Ivium was founded about a year ago, and they they focus a lot about community involvement. They have a little coffee shop. They offer yoga classes and performance workshop. They seem like a really community-based project. Check them out. So Mary, what you're telling me is that we got to go to Baja and <laughs> get them on the podcast. <laughs> we absolutely need to go to Baja. And you know what? Also... They have an artist-in-residence program going on right now that they are looking for applicants. So maybe you'll see us in Baja. (laughs) (laughs) And if not, maybe our listeners can uh, get themselves to Baja. (laughs) Absolutely. If you are in Baja, please go check out Casa Ivium. They have a lot of classes that would be really great to check out. Mm -hmm. And of course, we'll uh, link all of that in the show notes. But Jeff, how about you? What conscious content consumption do you have to share with us today? Well, since I think the reason you're talking to me today has a little bit with the theater production that we um, did recently at Meanwhile Park. I will talk about some theater content that I recently saw at Pioneer Theater Company. They do every summer a... They perform... They actually don't perform them. They're readings of three new plays, and frequently those plays will go on to to be fully produced as part of the the Pioneer Theater Company season. One of them was by the same playwright that wrote the play that was performed in Meanwhile Park. It was a story that took real occurrences from Utah history from the kind of 1950s all the way through to today. It started with a scene in which a black man and a white woman had gone to their high school dance together, and they they went to dance and were ultimately expelled from their school for doing that by their associate principal. 
And then that story goes through a number of other stories that look at queer occurrences or racial occurrences that have happened throughout Utah, and it kind of ties those stories together in an interesting way. So while it was based on actual occurrences, the the liberties that the playwright took to bring those stories and tie them together was really fascinating. Mm, that's so cool. Yeah, I love that it's based off of real stories. There's something really grounding, really healing about seeing art spoken to real issues that we face yeah. as humans and yeah. like working through that through art and bringing together it sounds like a diversity of folks onto the stage which or i guess onto the page because <laughs> there was a reading <laughs> well let's dive into the topic let's segue into more about being on stage with meanwhile park jeff could you tell us what is meanwhile park and what inspired it i've lived in my house for 27 years it's an old bungalow so i'm constantly updating and redoing things and you know trying to maintain the, the property as best i can and probably seven years ago eight years ago i was really thinking about how i wanted to re define my backyard. It's a very small backyard, as is the case with many of the homes in my neighborhood. And so I, at that time, I was also going through some grief. My longtime partner had passed away. And so I was thinking about ways that I could maybe get through that grief, but also kind of celebrate my life with Felix and my relationship with the community. And I had noticed that around Liberty Park, if you look at about a three-block radius around Liberty Park, there are about 11 public parks and three community gardens. And those many of those public parks are little tiny parks that are tucked away in neighborhoods that even many people in Salt Lake City don't know are there. They're very much little community parks. And so I kind of asked the question, wouldn't it be fun if I created the first private park in that neighborhood, and so I decided that I would name my park Meanwhile Park. There are a couple of reasons for the name. That was my next question. Was uh, why <laughs> why why that name? <laughs> Part of that is just that idea of if you start to look at the meaning of meanwhile, it's usually you know something that happens in the intervening time. It's a way to spend the intervening time. It is. It, it gives you this idea of something happening while other things are happening, and that felt really right when I was thinking about my relationship with Felix and yeah, like the journey of grief. Journey of grief, that sort of thing. There is another meaning of Meanwhile Park that I don't tell anyone and I won't even tell you. Oh, well, now I just want to know and I feel a little upset, but <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Maybe one day you'll share it. I will I will tell you that if you watch a lot of old gay rom-coms, you might discover... Listen, okay, okay, you've piqued my interest. <laughs> I've become a hardcore Swifty, so I am I'm accustomed to, like, digging for clues, so I will, okay, yeah. Um, but it was a, it's an inside joke between me and Felix, and so that, that's the other reason. I love that, and I want to tie this idea of moving through grief and honoring grief with art to the last episode we recorded with Madison Kankan, who did bring up grief a lot as something to bring into a performance, and then they also shared a book, I forget what the name of it was, uh, we did talk about grief a lot, and I don't know if it's the season, but I just wanted to tie that together. I do think it's beautiful, and it makes me wonder, do I have grief that I have to process? <laughs> There's something really beautiful about moving through grief 
in a community or just witnessing someone's grief. I think it brings us as a society, as a people closer together. And that's a huge part of life. And also, I think it's really, really beautiful that you have this ongoing legacy. Yeah contribute to. Mary, I think you have the, the next question here. Goodness, great. So tell us a little bit about Meanwhile Park. So that's, it's this venue in your backyard. What kind of performances, what kind of artists do you work with? Well, so first of all, it's been funny because a lot of the in, uh, the reviews of the the show have referred to the venue and what a great theater venue it is and that <laughs> sort of thing. And I'm not sure I ever thought of it as actually a venue, but now I think about that a little bit more as I'm doing it. But yeah, we have had, I've had a lot of gatherings with just friends and that sort of thing in the backyard. But last year we presented a performance of SB Dance, their curbside theater, which they've been doing for the last three or four summers. I think their new show just opened yesterday in Ogden. So that was kind of the first time we did a production with an official audience and all of that kind of stuff. And then this year we presented a new play. It's the first winner of the Meanwhile Park Playwright Prize. So we actually started last October with submissions for plays. We had almost 57 plays. Wow. Not almost. We had 57 plays submitted. So that was amazing to me. I'm a person who likes to not be afraid of doing things that I don't know if they'll work. This is one of those things that I didn't know if it would work, and so it was really exciting to have that many plays. I narrowed that down to about six plays. We had a reading group that read those plays and provided feedback, and then ultimately I made the final choice of which play we produce. We produced that play over two weekends. There were six performances, and that just last weekend was our our last performance. Wow. And you've had really great reviews about that particular performance. The reviews have been outstanding. They've been really Everyone I've spoken to has been in love with the show, even leading up to it. I ran into people at the the Fringe Festival Mm -hmm. in Salt Lake and and it would be these hush reverent tones. I got tickets to the house play. <laughs> so I was really excited to bring you on and, and do some research when Georgie told me about this. I'm like, oh, oh, this is the house play. I heard about this. Oh, oh, you're, you're gathering people at your house? And so I, I appreciate that for you this feels, it's really happy that it, it ends up being a great venue and it's yeah. really intimate and really brings everyone together in a really beautiful social way, but also that it's, it's more about the gathering of people. It sounds like everything has fallen into place pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, as I said, this is something I, I've never produced a play before, mm-hmm. and so that was, I've always wanted to, and I figured no one else is going to let me do it, so do I'd it. have to figure out a way to do it myself. Mm-hmm. So that part is really exciting. And everything, at every turn, every time I felt like this is a moment where things could go wrong, we've made it through those all those moments, and it's gone surprisingly yeah. well. So That's something so fun. exciting about putting on theater or creating an artistic venture is just the roadblocks you run into and the birthing and the creation and and how you put it on and the struggles that you run into. I have a question. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to lead that into, do you have plans for more productions in the future? And uh, you mentioned this playwright prize. How is that going to play into it? What is this? How did you come up with that? (laughs) Well, as I said, I work in marketing and so I'm always trying to I tend to brand things 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I decided I wanted to do a new play, that was really important for me, is that I wanted to support living playwrights. And I had no idea how many playwrights there are out in the world and how hard it is to get their plays produced. Yeah. I, it, this experience really made me understand that. But the Playwright Prize, I just decided, I'm going to see what happens if I offer a an honorarium, a financial, um, and it wasn't that big of a financial amount. And so I put together my rules and regulations and my, you know, call for entries. And I gave that to Jerry Rapier at mm-hmm. Miami Theater Company. And I said, Jerry, I have this stupid idea <laughs> where I'm going to ask people to submit plays that I would produce in my backyard. And rather than just saying, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard, <laughs> he looked at my rules and he said, you know, this actually is not a bad idea opportunity mm-hmm. for a playwright. He was like, the fact that you're not only going to recognize their play, but that you're willing to, to produce do, it. put it on. Is, and that you have, even though it's a limited budget, you have a budget to produce the play. Those were all things that were really important, I think, to the, the success of the project. And so Jerry really encouraged me. He gave me a lot of feedback on kind of the, the guidelines that I put together that were very helpful. And so then I just started promoting that everywhere I could. And that was last October. And I ask, what's an example of one of the guidelines? As somebody who doesn't, I'm, you know, I'm not in the play world. I see plays, but like, I have no idea what one of those guidelines would look like. Well, so for example, because of the way I wanted the evening to work, I was very much dedicated to this idea of producing something that would work in a backyard. I was also really convinced that what I wanted the evening to do was to have a social aspect before the play that felt like it was part of the event. Mm. And then I wanted it to only last about an hour hour because 11 o'clock you kind of have to be done in the city and I didn't want to annoy my neighbors any more than I had to in this whole project so one of the the requirements was that it couldn't be longer than an hour I also gave guidance on what I thought a story outdoors in the summertime might contemplate so things like and the, the playwright Matthew Ivan Bennett who wrote the play he wrote directly to this he actually told me that he looked at the list of things and he, he wrote a play because of that. He like wrote a play because of that. It had been something that had been rolling around in his mind. And he was like, that's... And so those are things like... Well, gosh, what was it? <laughs> so his play is very much a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I had talked about in the in the guidelines is that it's a summer theater moment. And it should be, you know engaging and interesting, but it also wants to have something that feels like summer. And so things like love stories or local history stories or campfire ghost stories, those types of things are what I think would work really well Mm -hmm. as an outdoor summer theater story. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, and many of the plays that came through did exactly that. There were some phenomenal plays. It was very, very difficult. That's extraordinary that 57 playwrights submitted. It it was crazy. That's extraordinary. And I already have some of those playwrights reaching out to me again saying, when when do submissions open? I'm working on my play right now. I'm very excited. I love that. I love the idea of creating a space where people can express their art. Yeah. It makes me want to go to everyone I know who has a backyard 
<laughs> and maybe some extra money for funding. I don't know what the honorarium was. I've gone to my friend's backyard. I'm like, wow, this is really big. Yeah. You could put a tent back. Well, yeah. And just being like, hey, can you make this space available? Because people want to make art. Yeah. yeah. And especially in the theater community, if you are putting on your own work, especially as someone who cares a lot about grassroots theater, yeah. you're a lot of times perf- uh, rehearsing, you're practicing, you're, you're doing everything, you're putting on costumes yeah. in someone's backyard and someone's living room. It's yeah. it's just off the, the skin of your teeth, the clothes off your back. You're just putting it together and making it happen. Well, as someone who's a big fan of getting paid for my work and paying artists for their work and paying everybody for their work, I'm, I'm glad that you provided that. That's really cool. That's an important part for the whole process. So 100% of the ticket sales went to the actors mm-hmm. and the playwright. And some of that went to other members of the creative team, but 100% of that was used to pay the artists. The kind of parties and the pre-performance moments, I just kind of funded those personally because I felt like it would add to the experience. As we grow, I think that might change. I intend to do this again next year. So if you're a playwright listening, we'll be opening in October submissions again. So... That's cool. We will link that in our show notes. Are you hoping to, like, what are your plans with Meanwhile Park? Are you hoping to produce plays a lot? Are you hoping to make this a year-round thing? Is this just a casual gathering space? I will say that producing a play is a lot of work, and it takes a lot of time. Yes, yes. Particularly, the level of performance was Outstanding. I want to take a moment to shout out the cast and crew. What an incredible, incredible group of people you gathered. I mean, the playwright, Matthew Ivan Bennett, has been, he's a really prolific Utah writer, incredible playwright. He's done works all across the Valley, Pioneer Theater Company, Salt Lake Acting Company, Plan B. Just a really smart, clever heartfelt playwright directed by Jason Bocut, associate director Holly Fowers featured Brenda Hedding Petros and Tamara Johnson Howell Cal Beck and the other one I didn't know Josh, Josh Richardson which Josh I'm was sh- amazing he looked great and then Emily Kerrer was the stage manager yeah. she's a delight Emily was the surprise for me mm-hmm. I hadn't really you know there are things you don't really know to put into the proposal and mm-hmm. one of those was stage manager and Jason Bocut was like we really need a stage manager for this show. And Emily was, she was unbelievable. She was just on it the whole time. It was super fun working with her. Yeah, she's great. We also worked with the Umbrella Theater Company. I know they do stuff for the Fringe Festival. Mm -hmm. They brought in all of the lighting for us. Lee Holler brought in the lighting. He was amazing to work with and the lighting equipment for us and also the audio equipment. And that really that elevates Everything a backyard space to something completely different when you when you bring in theatrical mm-hmm. lighting that sort yeah. of thing yeah Wow. And and hopefully, I, I don't think I'd do more than one play in any given summer, just because I think you have to do the work to have the play resonate the way this play did. Mm-hmm. But I, I do have other ideas for yeah. performances, whether it's um, music night or I've been tossing around an idea that I call mandatory open mic night, mm-hmm. where everyone in attendance has to get up and do a three-minute set of jokes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So, and once again, that's that idea of building community. If everybody has to get up and we're all terrified at the same time, I think it helps you like cheer each other on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why I really love the French festival too. Yeah. That's been going on for, 
I don't know, almost 10 years now in Salt Lake. You see a lot of bad shows. Yeah. You see a lot of great shows. You see a lot of fledgling ideas. You see a lot of passionate performers coming together to cheer each other on. Yeah. It's, it's vulnerable. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's connection. I love that you're creating this space for people to gather. What kind of struggles have you experienced with the space? Building it was, you know, dealing with contractors. That it's Most people who walk into the space, it's not what they were expecting. It's hard for people to imagine a tiny backyard that's called a park. And what would that end up looking like? So it's three levels. It actually goes down from the ground level. So there are like, there's the ground level, then there's kind of a mid-area level, and then there's a lower level. So if I'm understanding, is your backyard a hill? No, it's not a hill. It's not a hill. We okay. actually, when my neighbors, when I have neighbors that they can see into my backyard, and they were all asking me if I was building a swimming pool in my backyard <laughs> when we were digging it out. So Oh, so you dug down. We dug down, yeah. Interesting. And so I don't think anybody knows what to expect when they enter the space. So constructing that, it was very difficult to, to find the contractors that kind of caught the vision and that sort of thing. So that was the biggest challenge was really getting it to where I felt like it was what I wanted it to look like and feel like. Of course, it's surrounded with planters and but the main space is kind of an entertainment space. It feels like an outdoor room a little bit. One question I had for you is moving forward, what are your hopes and dreams for Meanwhile Park? If it could be anything, you know, sky's the limit, what would you, what would it be? Would it be a network of parks? Would it be you get different funders or? You know, it's funny. Um, I have a very good friend and he ha has been helping me with a lot of the design work, both for Meanwhile Park and for From June to August. And he has, he has asked that question. He thinks it needs to be a network of parks that are willing to produce entertainment or evenings where neighborhoods and communities get together. I don't know that I'm the person that can make that happen <laughs> unless there's an inspirational element of people saying, oh, maybe this is something that, that we could think about. I like to joke that I live in the Pardai, the park district, <laughs> which is that area that has 11 parks yeah. in it, uh -huh. and that this is the first private park in the Pardai. The Pardai. <laughs> um, but you know, maybe there will be future. If you're not a leader, it's I think it's, it's okay to be part of the movement yeah. and you're doing your part and that that's part of community is yeah. that we each come together and we do our part and it, those efforts can combine together. Yeah. So maybe you have your park and maybe someone else puts up their backyard or they open up their kitchen. And yeah. I also have opened up a little web store so we have Meanwhile Park. You do you have like merchandise. We have merchandise. Which is really cute. And that sort of thing. And that's just me being a creative director and wanting to express myself from a, a very branded moment. And that's been super fun. Well, I wouldn't be upset if there was a network <laughs> that was created from Meanwhile Park. And if you're just the founder or if people come to you and they're like, how do I do this? And you give them the advice and then you duck out. I'm in full support. <laughs> what are you looking forward to creating in this space? Well, I'm, I'm a huge art fan, so I'm very interested in how art starts to infiltrate the space. My next goal next year is to create some sculptural works that will actually double as light trees. Cool, cool. So that the lighting can be even up-level to the next cool. knot. There are just a lot of things like that that I think the opportunities are endless. Yeah, so. absolutely. And sorry. 
Are you a sculptor, or do you have you're commissioning someone to do that? I haven't decided yet. I've just started sketches. Mm-hmm. I'm for the first time last year. Uh, well, not actually, this past summer, I I did some very small kind of sculptures that I'm having a foundry down in Utah County cast in bronze. I, I'm my niece and I are actually doing. We started doing it, and we started too late. For I don't know if you've heard of Game of Shrooms. No. So Game of Shrooms <laughs> <No>. is <laughs> Game of Shrooms is this thing that a woman in Oregon started, I think, four or five years ago, and it is just taken off. It's insane. And it's one day a year, and what they do is they invite artists all over the world. They have this map, and they post all of the artists that are doing this. They, they invite artists all over the world to create artworks with the theme of mushrooms. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then those artists hide the mushrooms. What? <laughs> and they give clues. And whoever goes out and finds the artwork gets to keep it. And so on the map you can go in and you can go in and see the artists. You can report if you found a work of art. Wow. All of that kind of stuff. That is so exciting. And it's crazy how much it has exploded. Like wow. They had hundreds of artists participating last year all over the world. And so my niece and I, we thought, we want to do that, but we want to do some little bronze sculptures. So she came out, she lives near Portland, and so she came out and we created clay sculptures, that sort of thing, and now we're casting them around. So next year we gonna are going to be ready for Game of Shrooms. For Game of Shrooms. <laughs> Game of Shrooms. That is so funny. And of course that would start in Oregon. Yes, of course. <laughs> so Here. I'm going to tie that back to yes. why that came up. I don't know that I'm a sculptor, but I do have a very good idea. And now that I've started working with foundries and that mm-hmm. sort of thing, there's a chance that this will be something that I create myself. Throughout your career, doing being involved in theater, what projects are you most proud of? I, I definitely think this, the production of From June to August is a highlight Mm -hmm. for me in both my professional and my personal career. um, This is very much a passion project and uh, my professional career, you know, we do a lot of video production, we do a lot of graphic production, those types of things. So there are always opportunities to do really fun, creative things in my career. But certainly this is something on a different level and it was incredibly rewarding to do something like that and to feel like you'd done something that came out of nowhere. Yeah. I love that. If people or artists want to become involved in Meanwhile Park, is that an option? How can they, how can people go about doing that? Yeah. So, uh, certainly submitting a play Mm -hmm. if you're a playwright. Mm -hmm. We will open up, I think October 23rd is the date that we'll open up the opportunity for playwrights to submit Playwright submissions. Yeah. And we'll be, we're just finalizing, we're making some changes to the guidelines and that sort of thing. And the payment structure, we're probably going to increase the the way we pay artists, that sort of thing. And so if you were a different kind of artist, how would people get involved with you? Well, that will then become uh, more clear as we get closer to the play. I will say this, we're not really opening the park up to, like, we're not renting yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. I have had a friend of a friend who's asked to use the park this fall for an art event, so we're going to do that. It's a music 
evening. And so there are ways to get involved, and I think those will develop over time yeah. also. So keep an eye out. Yeah. And how can we keep an eye out? How can we engage with Meemaw Park? Well, I always tell people that the best thing to do is to follow us on Instagram. But you can also go to MeanwhilePark.com, and there's an events section there where we list all of the events that will be upcoming. Currently, the only event has been uh, from June to August, but that will start to change as we get into 2024. So It's exciting. It's exciting things coming up. Yeah, and you can sign up for an, uh, an email. Okay, to get updates. Yeah. Great. So we'll definitely have all of that plugged into our show notes, but is there anything you want to share before we say goodbye and wrap this up? I can't think of anything right now, but I really appreciate the opportunity to have a chat with you. So this has been really fun. Yeah, what a, what a delight. I'm, I'm thrilled to keep Meanwhile Park on my radar. Yeah, and thank you so much for our time. Hopefully you'll have uh, even more people submitting their plays next time because of this. Let's make it 100. <laughs> I, yeah. the, the only thing that makes me nervous is I am the person who has to read you're all like, really? those plays. You really, yeah. No, you're like, do not submit 100. I have to read it. It's, you're all very talented, and I don't have time. Okay, maybe you'll have more patrons. <laughs> Even if they're only an hour long, 57 plays is still a lot of plays. Okay, so listen, Jeff Paris is looking for an assistant, <laughs> maybe an intern. All right, it has been so great chatting with you, Jeff. We care a lot, and we care a lot about this now, so thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah, and we need to say thank you to AJ Vanzabin for the intro and outro music, and as my dad always says, use your head and be clever. Bye, everyone. Bye. Jeff, say bye. Bye. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Jeff, say bye. <laughs>